welcome back to Why Not? So the past few summers of wildfires has gotten me more curious about what wildland firefighting is. This summer, I took the basic intro courses needed to get red carded at the Wildfire Academy in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. At the academy, I had the chance to talk to one of the instructors, Megan, about how she became a wildland firefighter and what it's like. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Megan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. If you'd just like to give a short little introduction, that'd be great. Sure. My name is Megan Ring. I am a fire lead with the Minnesota DNR. Um, I work in Pine County, so over by Wisconsin border, south of Duluth. I've been working in fire for the last nine years. This is my seventh season, so my seventh year working with the DNR. Fire lead there the whole time. So how'd you get here? What, like, what made you want to do this? Well, I started with the Conservation Corps of Minnesota in 2013. Okay. And that's where I got my initial training, the S-190 and S-130 courses for intro to wildland fire. From there, I went in to learn more on the prescribed fire end of things. I worked for the Nature Conservancy, working on a prescribed burn crew for a season. And then after that, I wound up getting on as a support dispatcher for the DNR, dispatching for fires. Shortly after that, then I fell in with the lead position and been doing that since. I guess initially when I went through the training, I, I really didn't have a, a big interest in it. Okay. But I think part of that Conservation Corps program was a requirement for us to go through it. Sure. And I just didn't think that it was a thing I wanted sure, to do. And, sure, But once I got my fingers in it, it ended up being... Well, my, my career. <laughs> yeah. So originally, were you kind of thinking more like conservation work and yeah. kind of field work? Yeah. Originally, my idea was conservation or um, like environmental restoration, oh, sure. stuff like that. And yeah, it took a little bit of a turn, but I'm sure. still working outside and yeah. doing yeah, of some course. kind of resource management, I suppose. Yeah. Where yeah. did you like go to school? Where did like kind of all this interest start? So I had got my associate's degree from little community college in Cloquet, Minnesota. And it was just general associates, just to get the basics done for a four year. Sure. After that, I still was not sure what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> Fair. So, <laughs> so I just worked various jobs, anywhere from seasonal outdoor jobs to okay. retail to restaurants. To sure. Every, just a sure. mix of everything. And it wasn't actually until I was working with the DNR for probably about four years, four or five years, before I decided to go back to school and start my bachelor program. Okay. So I did my whole program online through Purdue University oh, sure. Global, and I wound up getting my degree in fire science and emergency management. Oh, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily go to a traditional school to get to my career where I'm at. Okay. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to pursue a minimum a bachelor degree, so I okay. stayed true to myself and I got that done here. Yeah, for um, sure. Last year, actually. Oh well, good for you. There you go. Yeah, so I got that job or that degree done. Um, but other than that, all the schooling for my job has been pretty much on the job training or coming okay. to various trainings like the fire academy and right. um, other other courses that get offered throughout the year and just building up my experience levels in that aspect and that's 
how I progressed throughout my okay. career as in fire anyways. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, at this academy here, they keep on talking about different like qualifications and then I'm assuming you have to take a lot of courses and different like trainings to become qualified. Yeah, yep. So there's a lot of different classes that are offered here at the academy every year. Anything from the intro to wildland fire course to helicopter crew member to engine boss and crew boss to aviation related things and pumps saws there's this whole whole variety of courses that are offered and after you take each of those courses you have to go through this task book which is just a printed out book from the nwcg that you have to go through physically working these positions and these certain specific tasks that were related to that position okay um in order to become qualified you have to work beneath a qualified person and and basically get their blessing and they're okay okay that you you do know what you're doing in that position yeah so once yeah once you go through these classes you start working on your task book to earn that qualification and that experience and understanding and then once uh, a qualified person thinks that you are sufficient at it and can do it on your own you get signed off and become qualified okay and it's just a whole a whole building block in in the wildland fire world there are hundreds hundreds of positions that you can yeah. grow yeah. into and so it's it's a it's a cool opportunity to be able to keep progressing through yeah of course so after this i finish this course or courses i guess and then take my pack exam mm-hmm. i'll be qualified as what was the fft2 yeah okay yep so a firefighter type 2 after after the S-130, S-190, and L-180 course, okay, which yeah. is this this week, um, then you take your pack test, and then you're officially an FFT2. Sure. Um, I mean, technically, after this class, you're FFT2. You just can't go on the line until you get your pack okay, test. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> but another half a day, and you're qualified as <laughs> yeah, a wildland cool, firefighter. Cool. <laughs> and then what are your other qualifications again? <clears throat> um, so I am a FFT1, which is a squad boss. I'm an ICT5, so an incident commander type 5. Okay. A TVOP, which is a track vehicle operator. An ATVO, which is an ATV operator. Okay. Um, I'm an ENOP, an engine <laughs> operator. They have all these acronyms yeah. out here. Yeah. Um, I'm a FEMO, which is a fire effects monitor. Um, I'm a Faller 2 which is an intermediate level. There's three different levels of fallers, so I fall in that second category. I think that's probably about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's I'm, a lot. I'm working that's on a I'm working on some task books at the moment. Okay. Um, I'm I'm in trainee for engine boss. Sure. Um, I'm also a trainee for ordering manager and receiving and distribution managers. Which okay. Those two positions are fall within the logistics category of the incident command system. Um, so it'd be more on the, um, checking in people, uh, ordering resources, ordering supplies, kind of helping out in like the base camps staging area, kind of helping be that background person. Okay. Um, there are tons of positions that are the background people for wildland fire. and, And so that's just two of the very many that could, uh like that I can become qualified or anyone can yeah. become qualified down the line. But um, yeah, wild and fire is, it's interesting because everyone always just thinks it's the people on the ground. It's it, you're getting dirty and sweaty and hiking around everywhere. Yeah. But there's 
we wouldn't be able to do our job without the dozens and dozens and dozens of other people behind the scenes that sure. don't get the recognition that people on the ground yeah, do. Yeah, sure. But. Yeah, so with your all of your qualifications, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of cool deployments because you can probably do some things that others cannot. Um, do you have any, like, specific stories that, like, stand out to you? I've had the opportunity to go out on probably seven or eight different hand crews in the last handful of years. And hand crews are 20-person crews that walk and <laughs> dig hand lines and, you know, fight fire from the ground. Sure. And I've been sent to a number of states and into, into Canada as well. Oh, cool. I don't really know what my coolest story would be, but my most like off the grid one, I, I was in Alaska in 2019 and we got sent up to a tiny little village called Chalkitsik. Okay. And it's about an hour and a half fixed wing flight northeast of Fairbanks. Okay. Um, it turns out that we were in the Arctic Circle. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. Yeah, super cool. And... At the time, we were on the largest wildfire complex in the nation. It was half a million acres at the time. Wow. But that was super, a super cool experience. It was out in the middle of nowhere, right? And in the Arctic Circle. I mean, not many people, I feel like, can say they fought fire in the Arctic <laughs> right, Circle. Right, yeah, But true. granted, when we got up there, it wasn't um, all of it. Like, it wasn't too outrageous um, or intense of a fire at the time sure. anymore. Um but it was it was it was a cool experience, you know. No cell service for fourteen days. Yeah. We were just living in the middle of the woods. Made up a little campsite. Had to build a latrine and our little cook area for <laughs> yeah. food. And it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, was, that sounds cool. Yeah, it was really cool. But otherwise, no, I've I've been to yeah. So that would be Alaska, British Columbia, oh, wow. Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona. Colorado, South Dakota, Ontario, wow. and Minnesota. Yeah, that's super cool. So I'm I'm trying to check off all the states west of the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you I have, will eventually. I've got a few more to go. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, from what I've done throughout this week, it's just like learning to know about it. And the more I learn, honestly, the more I kind of realize I could not do this full time as a career. It just seems very like, well, physically taxing, yes, but just like, being like on a, like those long deployments like how do you do that like how how did you know like this is what you wanted to like stick with and like how do you not get sick of it you know yeah I guess when I started in fire I was single you know I I don't have kids and mm -hmm. um I didn't have a significant other at that point and so I didn't have a problem of just going I didn't have sure. any pets either you know so okay. I didn't have anything really like holding me at home yeah. that I needed to care for it was just me yeah and so I didn't have an issue of going somewhere for a couple of weeks or two, three weeks at a time. You know, I try to look at it like I'm getting paid to travel the country yeah, and Canada true, and true. hike mountains. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah, it's and and play with fire. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been thinking too. The, but it's still it might be the <laughs> weird way to say it or think about it. But yeah, I don't know. There's a an adrenaline rush with it, and it's sure. it's rewarding. It's very rewarding to see the progress that we make over an assignment out of yeah, state. Yeah. And to see how grateful communities are that when in fires are coming through their their homes and their sure. their communities, they really pull together. And there are times where, like, we're driving off the mountain and, like, the whole community is just lined up on the blocks with signs and just, like, oh, wow. thanking all the yeah. firefighters. And it's, it's a really humbling feeling. Sure. It's really cool. That is cool. Yeah. But 
it's fun. I yeah. Like it. Yeah, it seems like fun work, but and I'm sure once you have your fun crews and everything, you know, that makes it a little bit more entertaining so you're not just like mm-hmm. you know standing on the line and you know digging trenches because <laughs> that's like right. what I feel like I'm doing I just they're right. digging trenches you know yeah. no and there's a, there's a lot more behind it um than just digging hand <laughs> well, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like you know we might get resource ordered to go beyond severity or or to help um staff a local area that maybe has been really busy on fire so severity would be going to a region of the country and kind of just being on standby because they have so much fire activity going on. Okay. So they're like, we're, we know we're going to need more resources, so we're going to order them ahead of time. Oh, sure. Because it will take people from Minnesota a couple days to get out to Washington. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they order us days in advance expecting this fire behavior to continue and sure. or to aggress. And uh, so we get out there and we're pretty much just on standby. Um you know, and when we are in that severity role, sometimes or many times they do put us on, you know, maybe a a project of some sort, whether it's brush cutting or improving some fire line. If they've sure. if they've had like pre-existing fire perimeters constructed around their communities, just okay. in the case like if it's historically known for fires, they'll have these boundaries around their community sometime just to act as a barrier if there was a fire to come through so sometimes we can go out and improve those you know other times we make it ordered and put on the task of structure protection so we'll go out and we'll do some kind of triaging different all the homes in a certain area and maybe cleaning up some of the trees or brush firewood whatever they might have near their house that if a fire came through it's going to affect their house so we try to make their house more survivable if a fire were to come through yeah sure Mm, we can be put right on the hand line digging line of course Mm -hmm. um one thing for sure that minnesotans minnesota firefighters are known for water because we come from this land of ten thousand lakes. sure sure so when you go out of state they are always like oh you guys are minnesota Let's put you on the hose. You guys are going to plumb the line because you know how to use water. Sure. I mean, that's a cool thing that we're known for, you know? Yeah. So that's usually a task that Minnesotan crews get get tasked for, but... So would you say you've done a lot of, like, hose lays in general? Is that kind of, like, one of the main things, or...? Yeah, I've done a number of hose lays. I think out in the western states, though, a lot more common is just hand line because there is such a lack of water oh sure so if they're if that water resource is available they will put us on those water specific projects but since water is such a lacking resource in so much of the country a lot of times we are physically digging hand line sure or clearing with chainsaws or you know it's always a variety you never know what you're gonna get yeah definitely i mean i can see why that would be a draw too so you're not always doing exactly the same thing yeah yeah you never know where you're gonna go or who you're gonna meet or yeah. what job you're gonna do yeah of course so like the more i'm here at this course the more i'm realizing like firefighting isn't just like walking into the fire seeing like the huge flames um you kind of sound like you guys like attack from the sides and kind of work to make it smaller i guess and control it could you just kind of talk about that a little bit yeah yeah so there's the anchor flank and pinch method where we usually find like a safe area to start attacking the fire which is you normally near the heel or the start of the fire um and then we send crews or engines or truck vehicles whatever it might be up either flank or either side 
of the fire line. And from there, they slowly progress towards that head front or that head flame where the most activity of the fire is happening. And we slowly work up the edges until we can meet in the middle and slowly knock down that flame to try and contain fire that we can. Sure, yeah. And then we've talked a lot about like fire lines and then kind of digging a very small trench of sorts. Kind of can you explain like why we do that? Because we're basically trying to stop the fire from like progressing farther, right? Right, yep. So the by digging a hand line, you're taking away any of the fuels. Um, so whether it's leaf litter, needle litter, grasses, sticks, etc. Um, you're taking away that and digging down to bare soil or um, just dirt in general, right? Sure. Of whatever sort. And from there, once that fire front would come up to that hand line that we've dug, it is theoretically it's supposed to stop because it runs out of fuel to burn. Sure. You know, but if given like if there's a wind influence or maybe the the front coming towards that hand line is a little bigger than we expected it to be when it got there. Sure. It might jump your hand line. Okay. Um, but the idea is that it it stops at that hand line because it runs out of fuel to feed off of. Right, right. So like in general, <clears throat> like wildland firefighting just kinda of seems like you're mitigating the process. You're you can't yeah. really just full on stop it right as much as you want to. It's it's hard to yeah 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 this saying that I've always been told uh, or that I've heard multiple times is you know like people don't try to fight or stop a tornado or a hurricane or an earthquake or anything like that but we try and contain and stop wildfires and it's one of the only natural disasters that we fight and that we try to stop and contain and so it's a kind of a unique field to be working in and to think about it that way too just because it's the only one that we are actively trying to stop and mitigate. yeah that's very interesting because I'm sure there's like yeah we have like procedures and plans but there's still so much we can learn and so much that we can't predict you know mm -hmm. like what we talked about like weather patterns and how like unpredictable and how that can cause like crazy events to happen on the right. fire line yeah yeah for sure weather being unstable can definitely produce all sorts of different changes on the fire line you know from the fire whirls, which are just tornadoes of fire, basically. Yeah. Um, some crazy wind-driven pushes of the fire head, maybe changes in the direction the fire is moving. There's all sorts of different factors that yeah, that sure. The weather can play in it. Yeah, sure. This is all very exciting stuff. I'm excited to learn more about it. Um, do you just have any like last-minute like <laughs> advice, or, like what people like me who's exploring this should kind of think about or do? Yeah, I think I think I would recommend for people to take advantage of different opportunities um, as far as work. You know, if you're not totally set or sure that you want to get into fire, you know, there's so many different seasonal positions around the country. Yeah, sure. Um, in in varying aspects, you know, whether it's firefighting or being a s ski resort worker. Yeah. You know working at a recreation park, working at a, a national park somewhere, you know, there's all these different places that you can work and gain experiences and try and find that passion for whatever you think or whatever you feel is, is driving your interest. You right, know? right. And your story is super cool too, because you didn't do the conventional like four year track, you know, college and then find a job, that kind of, that kind of thing. You did your exploring and then yeah. you kind of came back to college and that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely 
to not have a traditional route after I graduated high school. And at times it seemed a little messy, but I'm glad it turned out the way it did because yeah. I did earn all these different experiences and opportunities to travel and, yeah, exactly. and explore and meet new people and learn new skills. And it was, yeah, it's been, it's been a cool little adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it sounds like it. Cause like, I mean, what you're doing now is super cool and it's cool. You found this like passion, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I I love my job. The people I work with are great. You get to meet people from all over the country, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's just exploring what you, exploring the different options, and then and finding out what you click with and what yeah. you find. Yeah, for sure. Find you want to do what you'll be happy at. Definitely. And, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. Overall, this was a great course. Some really good instructors and some awesome opportunities to get some hands-on experience. So I would definitely recommend if you are interested in wildland firefighting. This is Linnea Turner. Theme music is made by Jonah Nelson. And episodes are published by Anchor. Thanks for listening.